Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Romans. Romans, Romans, Romans. So rich, so deep, so theological, so doctrinal, so powerful. What a good book on the heels of the book of Acts. If you've been with us, you know Paul had already made it. Remember last week we left Paul? He was in Rome. And Paul, give me your attention, was there in Rome to speak before Caesar Nero. We need to understand that the book of Romans was written three years prior to Paul getting to Rome. So when Paul got to Rome, there were already believers there. There were already people who knew Paul, men and women who had read his epistle. So when he got there, there were already believers there. There were people who loved him, people who knew him, people who understood him. So we left him at Rome. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have been known, are known, as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Romans, someone once called it, and I believe it's true, the gospel of grace. The Gospel of Grace. The book of Romans has also been called the Manifesto of Christian Freedom. It's also been called the Great Cathedral of Faith. The Great Epistle of Theology, someone once said. All of these titles, listen, are very true of this awesome and powerful book. Let me give you a bit of backdrop. Paul wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth. If you were in our Acts study, you know that. He wrote the book from the city of Corinth on his third missionary journey, probably in the winter of 56-57 AD. When he wrote to the Romans, he had already been in ministry for 20 years. As you read the book of Romans, you will see that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You'll see that as you read the book of Romans, of all the letters or epistles, same word, epistle, letters, of all the letters that Paul wrote, as you read the book of Romans, you will see that Romans is different from all the other epistles. How so, Rodney? Because all the other epistles that Paul wrote were written to churches and focusing on the problems within that church or written to the pastor of the church 
to encourage him, to instruct him, to help him. First Timothy, second Timothy. But the book of Romans is written with the intent of proclaiming God. The book of Romans is a book about God. God is the most important word in this letter. Romans is about God. Everything that Paul touches in this letter relates to God. Did you know 153 times the name God is used? 153 times in the book of Romans. That's an average of one out of every 46 verses we find the name, the title, God. The law, 72 times. Christ, 65 times. Sin, 48 times. Lord, 43 times. And faith, 40 times. So the book of Romans is a book about God. Listen to what some have said about the book of Romans. Martin Luther, perhaps you're familiar with him. Martin Luther loved his wife. Her name was Catherine von Bora. Catherine von Bora. And Martin Luther said of the book of Romans, it is my Catherine von Bora. I love that. Very sweet. Martin Luther praised the book of Romans and said, it is the chief part of the New Testament and the perfect gospel, the absolute epitome of the gospel. One of the early church fathers said this about the book of Romans. When anyone gains knowledge of this letter, he has an endurance or an entrance to all the hidden treasures of scripture. Samuel Coolidge, an English poet and literary critic said, Paul's letter to the Romans is the most profound work in existence. Frederick Goddick, 19th century Swiss theologian called the book of Romans, the cathedral of the Christian faith. Bible scholar Richard C. Lenski wrote Romans is beyond question the most dynamic of all the New Testament letters, even as it was written at the climax of Paul's apostolic career. It was F.F. F. Bruce, a Bible commentator who noted that Romans has liberated the minds of men and has brought them back to the understanding of the essential gospel of Christ and started spiritual revolutions. Another Bible commentator said this, whenever the message of Romans is eagerly received, startling events take place, hearts are changed, and spiritual revivals explode. Whole churches, cities, and institutions are rocked on their foundation. The book of Romans. Now let me give you a little bit of cultural or historical content. Listen, when the book of Romans was written, the world was broken. When the book of Romans was written, the world was full of injustices. The king was Nutty Nero, we affectionately call him. Nero was a megalomaniac, a sick ruler, the ruler of the world at the time the book of Romans was written. Nero persecuted the church. Nero hated Christians. He tortured and killed six million Christians in unbelievable ways. Crucified upside down, burned at the stakes, dipped in hot wax, thrown to the lions, torn on racks, and run through with spears sawn in half. He would kill, torture, persecute our brothers and sisters in unbelievable ways. There's a man by the name of Emperor Tacitus, and he wrote this. He said, 
Nero inflicted the most intense tortures on a class called Christians. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn apart by dogs or were nailed to crosses or were doomed to the flames. In fact, hundreds of Christians were covered with pitch, hung on poles, and burned in his garden. Sick man persecuted the church. So you want to understand something. Give me your attention. It was during this time with this backdrop that Paul is writing the Christians who are under the oppression or the heel of Rome. And it's during this time that God, listen, during that backdrop, given the circumstances of the world at that time, it is at that time that God chose to invade mankind with a new manifesto, with a new plan with a new purpose, with a new gospel. It's called the gospel of grace. Amen, saints? The gospel of grace. And listen, God has been, listen, God has been working through this gospel of grace ever since. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, it's in the fourth century. In his autobiography, The Confessions, Augustine realized that he was powerless to live a sinless life and the memory of his past sins haunted him. He wept bitterly for his soul and he was certain that his sins were beyond forgiveness. Well, during this time, he went out into his garden and he took with him a hand-copied volume of the Book of Romans given to him by his mom. And while he poured out tears... He heard a child's voice in the background chanting, take up and read, take up and read. And Augustine felt that God was using the child to speak to him. And so he picked up the book of Romans and began reading. His life was changed forever. And suddenly he realized the solution for his sins was Jesus Christ. In the fourth century, God is still working through this gospel of grace. In the 16th century, we find out the church was wealthy during this period. The church was powerful. Instead of offering salvation by preaching God's word, the church had become begun to sell salvation and other privileges for money. The church called them indulgences. Well, the richer the church became, the more spiritually bankrupt it became. It was during this time the Lord touched the heart of a young man named Martin Luther. You guessed it. And he meditated on Romans chapter 1, verse 17 which says the just shall live by faith. And he felt moved by the Holy Spirit. And Martin Luther took a stand against the corrupt church. And with the book of Romans in hand, Martin proclaimed that men and women are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And with that, you know the story, a chain reaction of revival and renewal spread around the world, which became known as the Protestant Reformation. And then God continues to work in the 18th century, England was broken and there was unemployment, homelessness, prisons, hunger, disease, illiteracy. And the problem was heavy on the heart of John Wesley. May 24th, 1738, John Wesley stood in a crowd at, at an outdoor evangelistic meeting in Aldersgate Street, London. And on a wooden platform, he read Martin Luther's preface of Romans. John Wesley, for the first time, got a hold of the truth that salvation is by grace through faith alone, which then launched the Methodist movement. Wesley later said, My heart was strangely warmed 
as I trusted in Christ alone for salvation and received the assurance that he had taken away my sins and saved me from the law of sin and death. And still yet, another revival and another renewal spread throughout England and then across the ocean to America. I tell you that to tell you this. It seems that wherever the book of Romans is studied, wherever the book of Romans is read, the Lord does radical things. And I'm praying, you know where I'm going? That the Lord will do radical things in and among us as we begin our study in the book of Romans. You agree? Well, y'all pray for me. Romans chapter 1. And we pick up this morning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. Paul. Stop right there, give me your attention. <laughs> Believe it or not, there are some people who, Bible scholars, who question, then who's the author of the book of Romans? The book of Romans, listen, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to get a MDiv, a DD, a AD. D or any other D's to know who wrote the book of Romans. He tells us in the beginning who wrote the book of Romans, saints. Thank you. And none of us have an MDiv, at least I don't. I just barely got through high school. You don't need it. Look, God's word is so simple. Paul opens up his, and I'm glad he did, tell us right up front who wrote it. I like that. You know, when we sign our letters, we usually sign them at the end, who's writing. And people send me a letter, and they sign it at the end. And I get a letter, I immediately, I don't know about y'all, but I go right to who, who wrote it. I go right to, you know, who's it coming from? Because that will determine whether I read it or not. Y'all do too. You're just trying to, you're in church, I know. See, that's why, you know, God made shredders. And um, <laughs> it's a God thing. Paul, notice, Paul, Paul, okay, Paul, a bondservant, verse 1, of Jesus Christ, called to be what, saints? An apostle, separated to the, underline this, the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace through Christ. Did you notice that? We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in apex. Oh no, I'm sorry, Rome. Beloved of God, 
called to be saints. Stop right there. Give me your attention. You want to notice here, Paul opens his letter with Paul, a bond servant. In the Greek language, listen, this literally reads, Paulos doulos. Paulos doulos. Because the word bond servant is the Greek word doulos. So it reads, Paulos doulos, or Paul, a servant. And you might think, I mean, think about this for a second. You might think that Paul could have, and it would have been true, if he introduced himself as Paul, the awesome, powerful, authoritative, church-planning apostle of Jesus Christ. He could have introduced himself that way. But did you notice he introduced himself as Paul, a servant? Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. I like that. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand something about this word doulos. This word doulos in Paul's day and in Paul's, Paul's culture was a complete and total insult. If somebody called you a doulos, that was the worst thing they could say about you. Why? Because a doulos had no rights. If you were owned by, you had a master and you were a doulos, you could be taken out back and shot with no questions asked because you were owned. Or you could be traded for a pack of gum. So to call somebody a doulos, I mean, for us, I mean, we go doulos a servant, okay, no problem. But in that culture, there was a real problem. I mean, somebody called you a doulos today, you go, duh, so, doulos, doulos, pizza face. I mean, what does that mean? Nothing to us. But in Paul's day, that was the highest of all insult. Rome, during this time, there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Paul had, Rome had a saying which said, why should we, why should we rule the world and do our own work? Some people were slaves because of debt. And some were willful slaves, but all slaves have a master, and Paul's master was Christ. And Paul would say, I am not a slave of Rome, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. You know, we don't talk much about being a slave for Christ anymore in our culture now, do we? And you don't hear many books about, you know, how to be a slave for Jesus. We have many books written about how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, how to be prosperous, Ten keys to wisdom. I don't know what that is. We don't have many books today written, many letters written. How many letters have you seen signed, you know, your name, a slave? Because when you become a Christian, you become a slave to a master. Do you understand? And not slave in the cultural context of, let's just say, southern states. No. Our master is wonderful, who has only the best for us. Somebody say amen. I'm trying not to go there. Now we are a slave to Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you are a slave to Christ. I don't care who you are. And where you're from, when you give your life to him, he now owns you. He owns you. 
And now you say, yes, Lord, because the word no and Lord do not go in the same sentence. You understand? And Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And notice he goes on to say in verse one that I am an apostle. That word apostle, if you're taking notes, it literally means one who is sent, a delegate, a messenger. Notice Paul says he was a servant of Jesus Christ and it is Jesus who called him to be an apostle. And notice he didn't call himself. I like that. Paul didn't call himself to be an apostle. It was God's idea. And he was separated unto the gospel of God. The word separated, are you taking notes? Literally means to mark off other boundaries. To set apart for some purpose. So Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus. And I was called as a messenger. And my life was marked off as I was set apart for the purpose of the gospel. His commitment was a slave. His commission was an apostle. His consecration in his mind, he was called and separated. And Paul knew, listen, that he was called and separated. There was no guessing about it. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15, Paul said he was called from his mother's womb and called by grace. Perhaps Paul was thinking, are you listening? About Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 when God said, Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. John the B. He was prophesied before he was conceived. We serve an awesome God who knows you before you are even conceived. And he is mapping out a plan and a purpose for your life before you are even conceived. God knows everything. We know nothing. God knows things before they happen. God knew your life and God knew my life to think, to think that God knew me before I was conceived in my mother's womb. And God in my life began to orchestrate things, all even my BC days and all the stupid things I did. God orchestrated and allowed those things and by his grace and mercy he kept moving me until one day when I decided I was going to go into the military and I thought I was going in the Navy because I had nothing else to do. God says, no, 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 no. I'm leading you in the military because one day at the BX there on Camp Pendleton, there's going to be a guy preaching. It's going to be that guy that's going to share the Lord with you January 23rd, 1982 and your life is going to be changed. I'm in control. I'm orchestrating all of these things. And then after I become a Christian, here I am now 20 plus years later, and I'm in this place in Apex, in this moment, preaching the gospel and telling you that God is the God who knows things before they even happen, who has a plan and a purpose for your life. Even before you were in your mother's womb, God knows you. God knows what you're going through, and God knows the plan and the purpose he has for you. Be encouraged. I don't know what's going to happen to my life. No, you don't. You don't even know what you're going to have for lunch after church. <laughs> now, do you? You know, I said that first service. And this guy came up and said, well, we cooked our lunch before service. And
you. My goodness, you understand my point? If y'all understand me, say amen. Please don't come tell me that. What was that? I'm just saying. God knows everything. Amen, saints? And Paul says, God knew me. God had a plan. God called me and separated me unto the gospel of God. Look at it again in verse 1. I love that. If you're taking notes, you write this down in your Bible. The gospel of God speaks of the good news. The word gospel means what? Good news. Did you know the gospel is good news? And I don't know about you, but I'm happy to hear some good news because every time I turn on the TV, there ain't nothing but bad news. The gospel is good news. The gospel's good news. The holiday is upon us. You looking for the perfect gift? You looking for the gift to give to someone, the gift that keeps on giving? Give them the gospel. Because it's good news. It's for all people. You have to figure out, well, will they like this? Will this be something that they would enjoy? Listen, the gospel is for all people. It's one gospel it's the gospel that's for all people. It's for black people. It's for white people. It's for Indian people. It's for all people at all times throughout all the ages. It certainly is the gift that keeps on giving. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Christian, when you're sharing the gospel, act like it's good news. <laughs> act like it's good news. Well, God loves you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.